Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkeavos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. If you have any questions or comments, please send me an email to Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. For this week's Mishnah, we begin with Perek Hey, Mishnah Yudalif, Chapter 5, Mishnah 11. Now, last time we left off in Mishnah 10, we brought down seven different types of calamity which come to this world because of seven different types of sin. And we discussed the concept of divine judgment and we discussed the concept of mida keneged mida, measure for measure, how everything that a person does is given back to him, whether it be reward or punishment exactly. There's exactness to God's judgment. And the Mishnah last week, or last time, in the last Mishnah, we brought down three of the seven different types of calamities which correspond to, which correspond to three different types of sins. And in this Mishnah, we finish up the seven with the remaining four. And the different sins that cause these four types of calamities. Now the mission begins. Dever Pestilence comes to the world for death penalties prescribed by the Torah that were not carried out by the court. And using the fruits of the sabbatical year. Number five. The sword of war comes to the world for the delay of judgment and the perversion of justice and for interpreting the Torah decision in opposition to halacha. Number six. Wild beasts come to the world because what does this happen? They come upon the world for vain oaths and for the desecration of God's name. And number seven, Exile comes to the world for idolatry, for immorality, for bloodshed, and for working the earth during the sabbatical year. So we have a lot of information over here, and I'm going to try to go through the Mishnah slowly to bring out some beautiful lessons that each and every one of us can apply to our own lives. The Mishnah started off with Dever That was that famine, pestilence, comes to the world because of the Misos Bezdin, the four types of capital punishment, which Bezdin, the Jewish court, can carry out in this world that they weren't able to carry out. Either it was because the court was perverted or for other reasons, as I'll explain. Now, we know in Jewish law, in order to convict someone of a crime or of a, it's a thorough process. And for money, it's one process. For capital punishment, in order to punish somebody, it's a more, it's even a more thorough type of 
trial that has to be, and there's more requirements that have to be met in order to carry out that capital punishment to put someone to death. And the Mishnah is telling us is that if Bezdin for some reason is not able to carry out the decree, God has his messengers. And really this ties back into our last Mishnah because we were talking about the exactness of Hashem and how everything, how justice will be served always. Everything is exact. Nothing is forgotten. And we mentioned that the reason why the Mishnah picks these seven natural disasters is because it's easy for a person to write them off and to say that it's just, it's mother nature. There's no message for me to take out of it. And the Mishnah is coming to teach us that everything is happens in this world for a reason. Every act, every, every act of nature, quote unquote, is controlled by Hashem to give us a message. That means if there's a earthquake on the other side of the world, there's a message for us in it. I'm not saying I have the answer for why things happen, but there's a message. We're supposed to stop and think. And the mission is giving us some outlines of to why certain things could happen or why they do happen. And it's actually interesting. It reminds me of a joke. You know, there's this concept of mother nature. I don't know when it was invented, but it seems like when it comes to the weatherman, it's mother nature is bringing this storm. When there's a snowstorm, it's mother nature. It's always mother nature, except when it comes to the insurance company, when they need to pay out, then it becomes an act of God. It's just um, it, the thought here is that when it comes to anything that happens in the world, we need to keep that in mind that there's a message for us as well. And I, the, you know, going back to our point of the four types of capital punishment that the Jewish court would exact upon people, the, the idea which I see from this Mishnah is that many times, as I mentioned, the process to convict someone of a capital punishment was a very, was a very thorough process. For example, you needed to have two witnesses. They, some, the person had to be warned. They, were, they would cross-check the witnesses. And it was not so common that someone would be stoned or killed with capital punishment at a Jewish court. The Gemara brings down that a court that killed someone once every seven years or even 70 years, according to one opinion, was considered a bloody court. So it was not such a common occurrence that someone would be put to death with these four types of punishments that were capital. Now, a person might say to themselves, there could, there could have been situations where somebody did the crime just for a technicality they weren't able to convict. For example, if there was one witness or he wasn't warned, or the people who were the witnesses were related. So then they wouldn't be able to exact the, the punishment to stone this person who was, or to kill this person or to whatever that individual deserved, they would not be able to, to carry out the punishment because they had to fulfill all the requirements. And that's how the Torah is. We have to, in order to convict someone of any of capital punishment, there, there's a process and the prop, the process has to be properly fulfilled in order to carry out the decree. But there could be, there could have been a situation 
where a person did the crime. And people might think to themselves that, well, it looks like he's getting off scot-free. That it seems that a person could do whatever he wants in this world and not have to pay the price. So the mission is giving us an important lesson that maybe you might see somebody who did the crime, but he's not doing the time. He, he did that bad act. Just for whatever reason, the court system can't punish him. You need to have a certain threshold that has to be met. We shouldn't think to ourselves that he's getting off scot-free because the Mishnah tells us that God has his messengers. Hashem has his agents to carry out his decrees and to carry out this form of punishment that that person deserves through his agents and through the creation. And that's one of the ideas which is being brought through the Mishnah. That's what it means in the Mishnah that Devra Baloilam, that famine comes to the world, according to one interpretation, it means that when a person is not able to be convicted, that Hashem will take care of it himself or through his messengers. And the lesson for us is that we shouldn't think, you know, just because someone's having a good life and maybe they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, we shouldn't think that they're not going to have to pay the price. We're not in a place to judge anybody, but we should know that everything is exact and Hashem is running the world with a plan and justice will be meted out if it's supposed to be. And that's something we should keep in mind. There's another point which I wanted to bring out about this Mishnah and really the last Mishnah as well. We've been talking how when we, when we do certain sins, if people are lax in certain areas in Torah or their behavior is not up to par, so then nature responds appropriately, meaning bad things happen in the world. And there's a correspondence there. And we were, we were saying how that we have to internalize things that happen throughout the world. And there's a message for each and every one of us. And I, I just want to bring down, I don't want everyone to think of doom and gloom. Because, you know, even though when we do something bad, it makes the world a worse place, we have to realize that there's a concept that the power of good is, is a thousand times more powerful than bad. So that it means that if, we do bad things and bad things happen in the world, in the physical world that we live in. We have to believe with all our heart and know that when good, that when we do good things, when we do mitzvot, when we treat each other nicely, when we're learning Torah, so then that's making the world a better place. All the more so. All the more so it's making the world a better place. The physical world that we're living in. The stock market goes up. The weather will be nice. The nations will get along with each other. And we have to, to know that because if we, if we believe that when we do bad things, nature responds appropriately or the world becomes worse, so then we have to also believe all the more so that when it comes to good and we, that us doing good and doing what we're supposed to be doing, the world becomes better and it gets improved by the acts that we do each and every day. So the Mishnah continues. So we said that Dever Balalam, famine comes to the world because of two things. Because of the, the punishments of Bezdin, of the Jewish court that were not taken care of. And on the fruits of Shvius. So Shvius, 
Shemitah, which is coming up next year, is when we have to leave the land of Israel fallow. Once every seven years, this occurs. And fruits that grow on the trees have a level of sanctity to them. They have to be treated appropriately. And it's just good to know this is actually coming up next year. The concept is that we we leave the, the land fallow. And it's sort of similar to the idea of Shabbos. It's very similar, actually. Because Shabbos, we rest, we don't do work to show that Hashem is in control of the world. And when it comes to Shemitah, as well, when Shemitah as well, we don't work the land to show our complete trust in Hashem that it's His. So the mission is telling us that if we don't treat the fruits of, of Shemitah properly, so then that also results in a famine. And just um, it's it's something to keep in mind because the whole concept of Shemitah, which we're going to see a little bit later in the Mishnah as well, and the holiness of these fruits is that there's a realization through, I guess, treating these fruits properly and, you know, acting with them in the, in the appropriate way that everything comes from Hashem. You know, you know the, the sages explain that we have a special bracha a special blessing we make on each and every food. You know, it's not just enough for us to have one generic blessing for all the foods we eat. It's more of a praise to Hashem. It's more of a praise to God when we make the blessings very specific. So when we make a blessing for on an apple, we make bore pre You know, we're thanking God, the creator of a tree because the apple comes from a tree. And we make a bracha on a potato, which comes from the ground, we say, Bore Prihadama. You know, blessed are you, Hashem, our God, who created the fruit of the ground. Now, when it comes to the blessing that we make over bread, the text of the blessing is very interesting. The bracha, when we eat bread, is Hamotzi Lechem in Aretz. Baruch Hashem, Elokinim Elocholam, Hamotzi Lechem in Aretz, who takes the bread out from the ground. Now, I don't know about you, but I never saw bread grow from the ground. They say that money grows on trees, but bread growing from the ground, haven't seen it yet. So what's the explanation behind this blessing? Maybe we should have said, Hamotzi lechem in a bakery, from the ba- that you person, that God, we take bread from the bakery. What's Hamotzi lechem in aretz? That a God takes the bread out from the ground. So the commentary has explained that the reason why it's different than the other blessings is that a person who works hard to make bread, there's 39 steps that's needed in order to make bread from beginning to end, from the time it's planted till the time it is baked. And we might think to ourselves that after we cut, we grew the wheat, we cut it, we processed it, we made it into dough, we shaped it, we put it into the oven, we took it out of the oven. It might come across our mind that it's my bread. There's a certain natural feeling a person will have when he goes through all the steps of doing it. So the sages instituted a blessing to remind us that even though we are doing the work to bring that bread into action, we have to realize it's all from Hashem. It's all from God. And that's a similar concept 
when it comes to the fruits of Shvius, to the fruit of the seventh, the fruits of the seventh year, which have a special holiness to it, because the concept of Shvius is that we're attesting that God is in charge, and these fruits we also have to have these realization and keep it special and keep that in mind when we are dealing with that. And this is just the mindset we should have when it comes to all areas of our lives, not just the fruits of the seventh year, but our livelihood. Are we the ones doing it? Or is God giving us the ability to earn a livelihood? Is it our strength, our skills? We should feel good about the our God-given skills. We have to realize at the end of the day, it's all from Hashem. And we want to use the skills and the abilities we have to serve Hashem, to serve God to the best of our ability. Let's continue. So the Mishnah says, Cherev Balaylam, Cherev comes to the world, the sword, war, comes to the world because of three things, three sins, which is number one, Al Inui Hadin, on for the delay of justice, and for the perversion of justice, and for interpreting the, hal- the halacha against the Torah, for interpreting Torah law against halacha. Now, I wanted to go through each one of these and maybe make it very applicable to each and every one of us. Because a person might say to themselves, I'm not a rabbi. I'm not a judge of Jewish law. How is this Mishnah talking to me? And the the concept, the, the rule I always like to use when I give this class, when I give this podcast, is that every part of the of the of this Mishnayas of Perkyavos and really every part in Torah. Is related, is relatable to each and every one of us. So for the Mishnah, I wanted to explain how these three things could tie to us and can be a lesson for each and every one of us. So the Mishnah says, Al Inuyadin. Now, Inuyadin is delaying justice. And on a simple level, it's referring to the Jewish court once they make a decision. They come to the conclusion, they go through all the proper processes and reach a verdict. So then there is a, you know, there is room for appeal in the process as well. But once they reach that verdict, they must carry out the decree as soon as possible. They must carry out the ruling speedily. And they're not allowed to just delay and hang around. They have to do it because once the halacha is decided, once Jewish law is decided, that's the halacha. It's not like the different court systems of the West where there's death row. People could be sitting for years and years and years. It's that once, once we go through the processes, which is very thorough, justice must be carried out. Now, the lesson which I wanted to take out for us is that many times we know things that we need to do. And we know in our mind, intellectually, that it's the right thing to do. It's the correct thing to accomplish. But we don't do it. We procrastinate. We push things off. We 
delay. And the mission is giving us an insight that when we figure out what the right thing is, when we know what's correct, we need to do it. We can't let things sit around. We need to act. When we're inspired by something and we want to be better and we think in our mind of something that we could do to be to improve ourselves, we need to act on it right away. I remember very clearly when I was younger, I was with a rabbi of mine and he was helping me with a certain issue. And he was very good. He knew what I needed. And, you know, he let me get to the conclusion that I needed to get to, you know, and I was the one making the decision. And when I got to that point, he said, okay, let's go make a phone call right now. He didn't even leave me. He didn't let me leave the room without picking up the phone and doing it. Meaning the point is, is that I knew what I had to do. And he, the message was that my rabbi was giving me is that you have to do this right now. Just do it. You, you came to the conclusion of what was correct and what you need to do. So do it. But sometimes we're scared. We're nervous. The, the, the thing we need to do or to accomplish is very uncomfortable. But procrastinating doesn't change anything. And it's really the opposite because when we do things right away, when we accomplish what has to be done and not push it off, we feel very good about it. You feel accomplished. You feel like, wow, that was great. I just pushed myself. And there's a very good feeling for that. Number two, which is the perversion of justice. And that's, that's explained into a crooked judge or a corrupt justice system. That if the legal system or the court system is corrupted, it is very bad. It could bring to the punishment for that is the sword, is war. Now, again, like I mentioned before, we're not judges and we're not deciding cases. How does this talk to me? And the way I wanted to connect it to us is that, you know, there is there seems to be a lot of talk nowadays about taxing the rich and the rich paying their fair share. And I'm not here to get into that if that's good economics or bad economics or if if we're pro it or against it. But the observation I want to make is that sometimes you get the feeling from people that if somebody is part of a big corporation, then it's okay if, you know, they, if we steal from them a little bit. Sometimes I get that impression when you hear people talk like this in that way. Again, I'm not getting into the sides here of what's good for the economy or what's not good for the economy. That's not my place. I'll leave that for the economic uh, economists. But the point is, is that sometimes you hear people talk and act in a way where they're justifying taking from others because they have a lot. And people have different justifications. And there's a certain, I guess, permissiveness of taking you know, that it's maybe okay to steal from someone who, who has a lot. What I want to bring out is that when the Torah says low sigzel, one is not allowed to steal, there wasn't a little um, asterisk there that 
it's okay to steal from someone rich. The point is, is that stealing, if you think about it, the act of stealing is just as wrong if you steal from someone poor or you steal from someone rich. And the Mishnah is giving this, us this insight because that's perversion of justice. When we start saying, when we justify the acts that we do because it's a large corporation or it's a rich person, it's not going to hurt them. That's perversion of justice. And the lesson for us is that when it comes to these, I guess nowadays certain, there's a, you know, morality seems to be shifting, not seems to be, it, it is shifting. We have to realize that what's correct and what's true doesn't change. The Torah cements our position of what is correct and what is not correct. And nothing can change that. And doesn't make a difference what society says. We know because God gave us the Torah and the Torah is divine. So nothing could change what the Torah says and what the position of the Torah is. So when the Torah says, do not steal, it means do not steal. And if you think about it on an intellectual level, there's no difference of stealing from a rich person versus a, a poor person because stealing is stealing. You're taking something that belongs to someone else. The only difference is when, when a person steals from a rich person, it doesn't hurt them. When, when, you, when a person steals from a poor person, it hurts them. But the act itself is the same. And the idea that our morals have to be cemented, that the Torah cements our morality of what is correct and what is not correct. Number three. Those who make decisions in Torah contrary to the halacha. So this was referring to a judge or to a rabbi who makes a decision that's above their pay grade or they don't look into the specifics. They don't act appropriately. Maybe it's maybe they're ruling correctly because they don't know or maybe they didn't do the proper legwork. But on a simple level, that's what it seems to be referring to. Now, many of us, not many of us, all of us make many decisions on a daily basis. We decide what we're going to wear today. We decide what we're eating for breakfast. We decide what we're going to do on a given day, how our schedule is going to look, what we're going to say to people. We're not going to say to people. And many of these decisions affect our spiritual well-being as well. Are we going to dive in today? Are we not going to dive in today? Is this kosher? Is this not kosher? Can I do this? Can I not do this? Is this permitted or is this prohibited? There are many decisions which a person could be potentially faced with on a daily basis that, that we're deciding. Is it okay? Is it not okay? We're constantly making these decisions. Many times we ask ourselves these questions, but are we qualified to answer all of them? You know, fine. The question is, is it kosher? Is it not kosher? Right? It's pretty easy these days for us. There's a kosher mark on it, reliable, a reliable kosher mark. We could eat it. So it's an easy question for us to answer in our spiritual well-being. But there could be other questions which are not so clear-cut. 
And maybe we never dealt with it before. But how many times do we say to ourselves, "Uh, it's okay, it's probably okay. Last time it was okay. We justify our positions. The Mishnah is giving us an insight that when we don't know something, we're not sure of something, we should ask. Fine, it might not be comfortable always to ask, but a rabbi's job is to be there for his congregation, for his people, for the general populace of Jews who need guidance. And that's what they signed up for when they became a rabbi. So it's important for us. There's an imperative upon ourselves to ask when we don't know, to be honest with ourselves and to know what we need to ask. You know, they say in yeshiva that it's not, they're not going to teach a person in yeshiva everything he needs to know for his whole life. In the Jewish school system, we learn a lot. You learn a lot, but you're not going to have the answer for every single question. But what they do try to do is to train a student that he should know when to ask that he should know when to ask a question to someone who's more qualified than himself. And that's something, it's not just for yeshiva students becoming rabbis. It's for each and every one of us that we should get into the habit of knowing when things are above our our level of scholarship or our level of expertise. And we should be comfortable asking somebody. Find someone that you're comfortable with. Get a connection with somebody who you're able to speak to. And it's something which is very worthwhile for each and every one of us. So just to finish up the Mishnah, the Mishnah listed two more different types of calamities, which is chayara, baloylam, wild beasts, and golos, and exile. So just to quickly cover those two topics, that Chayara, when Chayara, a wild beast, comes to the world and attacks people, we have to realize that the, there, that happens because of Shvu Hashav Ba'achilu Hashem, that making oath in vain and a desecration of God's name. Now, we need to think for a moment, what makes us different than an animal? How are we elevated among the rest of the creatures of creation? And the answer to that is that man, humankind, has speech. We have intellect. We we have free choice. When a person makes oaths in vain or they make a decision to desecrate the name of God, so they're sort of bringing down their status of themselves to the same as the animal because what makes us different is our speech is our decision-making process. They were able to make good decisions. So when we make decisions that are not good or just giving into ourselves, so we become the same as animals. When, you, when we don't use our power of speech in the proper way, we become the same as an animal. And it's brought down that animals, wild animals, fear humans. And if that's only if we keep our position on the food chain as the top, as the king of the, of the animal kingdom. But if we bring ourselves down, so then they're not scared of us anymore because we're the same. We're the same as them. And that is the connection between those that punishment and those sins. And finally, the Mishnah listed, Golos Balolam, 
Galus Balolam is is the worst punishment. The exile, being exiled from our homeland, is the most severe type of punishment, which is reserved for the most severe type of sins, which is the three cardinal sins, which is idol worship, immorality, and bloodshed, as well as shmita saaras, not 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 taking not having proper respect for the seventh year, for the Shemitah. And we know that the there are three sins, three cardinal sins that a Jew must give their life up for, which is if someone is told either you bow down to this idol or you kill this other person or you commit adultery, a person has to give up their life and not commit these sins. So if people are not being careful in this, so then the worst punishment also as well comes. So just to finish up this Mishnah, I want to reiterate that last idea. We said how the different types of calamities befall the world because of the different types of sins that we commit. So we mu- it's an important thing to internalize, and we took out the different lessons from ourse- for ourselves tonight. But at the same time, we have to remember that when we do good and we're doing good every day, mitzvos, learning Torah, we're making the world a better place. And the acts of goodness and kindness that we do are more powerful than, than the flip side, than the sins that, God forbid, could be committed. So with that, we should just keep that in mind and strengthen us. So I wanted to thank everybody for joining the Pirkei Avos podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please send me an email at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.